It's 2020, and sustainability matters now more than ever. Today, we're going to talk about why sustainability matters, some ways other businesses have implemented sustainable business methodologies, and interview Salima Visram of Samara Bags about how she created a sustainable, minimalist fashion company. Grab a mug and join in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. Hey, Kelly. How can merchants get more out of their Facebook Messenger and SMS marketing campaigns? I recommend Octane AI, the leading Facebook Messenger and SMS platform for Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. How does it work? Using their built-in flows, conversational ads, and retargeting campaigns, you can easily unlock Messenger and SMS as new revenue channels. The platform has ready-to-go integrations with top apps such as Klaviyo, Privy, Recharge, and Justuno. What kinds of returns can I expect? Merchants using Octane AI report 80 to 95% open rates, a 7x increase in click-through rates, and even a 7 to 20% increase in revenue. This sounds great. Where can I learn more? You can start a 14-day free trial by requesting a demo at octaneai.com or by visiting the Shopify app store and searching for Octane AI. Hey, Kelly. Hello. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing phenomenally. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying my coffee. I, I am on the same wavelength that you are, my friend. Coffee <laughs> is making my world go round. I know that we're called commerce tea, but caveat, we drink a lot of coffee. And we today we're talking. We probably do something about that. But <laughs> we should for the moment, probably. We're going to stick to coffee. <laughs> we're, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's one of those things. Uh, today I'm really excited because we're talking about sustainability, which is something I get really excited about. So, Kelly, do you want to go ahead and just define for our listeners what a sustainable business is? Yeah, so there are a lot of definitions around the internet of what a sustainable business is. So, in my opinion, it's business that's economically viable, it's socially responsible, and it's also environmentally friendly. And I think most of us think in the terms of the environmentally friendly component, and I think the other two kind of get forgotten in terms of talking about yeah, uh, yeah. sustainable business, but I, maybe, okay, socially responsible pretty much goes hand in hand with being environmentally friendly in a way, but of course you want your business to be economically viable at the same time. I mean, there's no, everyone knows that when you go for the you know more sustainable options, they tend to be pricier. Almost always. Yeah. And that's just a trade-off you have to make as a consumer as a business and and everything in between. I think also for a sustainable business, it's important to kind of note that uh, while we talk about social responsibility, also running an ethical business and having ethical business practices that you can stay, I would say if you can stand up in the mirror and look yourself in the face and say, I'm doing a good thing, that means hopefully (laughs) you're doing a good thing. But if you have to ask yourself, I might've said this before on the podcast, if you ever have to ask yourself, is this unethical? The answer is always yes. You should never have to pause and wonder, like, huh, is this ethical? No, don't if you're asking yourself that, that means stop what you're doing and it's it is unethical. So agreed. Agreed. So that is what a sustainable business practice is and sustainable business is. What's a great way that 
we can kind of ease our way into becoming a sustainable business. So it's important to note, as you said, ease your way into becoming a sustainable business, that it's very much a journey of being a sustainable business as business models change, as technology changes, as our world changes and consumers change their buying habits. You're always going to be shifting the way that you operate your business. So I think an easy way to ease into it is to go paperless. So big one, and this is automatically done by Shopify already, is emailing receipts. So your order confirmation email. You don't need to print it out. That same note is consider not including a packing slip. I don't usually look at the packing slip when I receive a package. No. I mean. I'm just like trash or recycle. (laughs) Recycle. recycle. Whatever's closest is the problem. The problem is that's the actual answer. Yeah. So I think a lot of people included packing slips on their website because they want to include information about returning a product if they're if you need an exchange or it didn't work or you just want to get your money back but there are other ways you can go about doing this first of all include the return instructions on your website just link to it in the footer of your website link to it on your faqs below the add to cart button you can have a shipping and returns like quick message on there and in all of your order status emails so the order confirmation your order has shipped your orders delivered all of those can contain the, the, the return instructions. But most importantly is use a returns portal app. There are a bunch of them in the Shopify app store. They all work slightly differently, so it's worth taking a peek and demoing them to see which one works best for how you operate your returns policy. Um, I would look at Returns Manager by Bold, Return Magic, Returnly, and Aftership Returns Center. I love that all of these apps have the word return in them. So if you go into the app store and you just search return, one would think you'll be able to pull all four of these up. But if that's not the case, we'll also link to them in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. If you search returns app, you'll find even more than the four that I just mentioned. That's the beauty of the app store. (laughs) Developers are notorious for, we just kind of name the app for, for exactly what it does. Like our order tracking app is just order lookup. Like it's not a revolutionary name. It's like, what does it do this? That's the name of it. And you know what? At least it's not the trend of like, the original Twitter was what T W T T R. Yes. Tumblr. So at least they're real words. That's true. Yeah, we've gotten back to vowels. Oh, I love vowels. <laughs> I just I love a vowel. What can I say? Grammar. Woo. Oxford Commer. Uh, Oxford Commer. Commer. <laughs> Oxford. <laughs> Oxford Comma. That was a good try. It was a good try. A for So what is another way that businesses can be sustainable? One thing that I'm a big fan of is sustainable packaging. I actually sort of launched my retail career at Aveda, which is an old school sustainable company. And they have for a very long time been using sustainable packaging, compostable packaging, and the like. Uh, In addition, they have packaging size that makes sense. And they're just a really great example. And I know they're a big player because they're owned by Estee Lauder. I do have to acknowledge that. And if you're starting up, you might say, okay, like, that's cute. You're talking about Aveda. That's, they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Like, I'm trying to make face soap, one. And, and, and But I think looking at them as a model, as an aspirational model of how to create sustainable packaging 
is is why. So we're going to include an, a link to that in the show notes so you can check out what Aveda does and how they do it. And even if you take just a fraction of what they do and use it as inspiration for your own business, they've really, they've gotten it down to a science. For sure. I think on the opposite end of this is Amazon, who is known for not reducing their package size. So you order a new phone and it comes in a refrigerator box. It's just you know, not the best practice. So reduce your package size to fit the items that you're actually shipping. That would be lovely. That, And then you won't be like my house where all of a sudden you have a daughter who's just making so many things out of the oversized boxes. Because <laughs> you can only fit so much into your recycling bin at one time. We yeah, have Not to mention all the packing <laughs> material. Oh, and the plastic that comes inside of it. Exactly. Not a fan. I'm not – and also, let's be honest – Puzzles don't need bubble wrap. They're fine. They're <laughs> fine. Glass bottle, sure. I'm behind you there. But puzzle, I can't I can't see the use case. Kelly, do you have any favorite sustainable products that you really love that you personally consume? Yes. I think it's probably time that I bring up my favorite <laughs> store that I mention in every episode, which is Allbirds. They are... Shocker. I, think, I know. I know. I think they've been known for their, well, their super comfortable shoes that I absolutely love. But being a sustainable business and choosing what materials they're actually using to to create all of their products, whether it's their their wool line or their tree line or whatever it might be, they're very clear about what materials they're using, um, like recycled pa- cardboard for well, that's for packaging, but uh, castor bean oil, for example, or recycled bottles. So I didn't know that. Yeah, so the castor bean oil is used for their insoles, and the recycled bottles are used for the laces, the shoelaces. I love this non-conventional use of product, and I'm not going to give a spoiler to what happens (laughs) later on in the episode, but our guest also uses a very unconventional product that is hyper-sustainable, and I think it's, and you'll hear me say it then, just so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. That should be the theme of this this episode is, that's so cool. (laughs) So on the same topic of shoes, Rothy's is another company that does really well with using sustainable products in their supply chain. So they make flats, and they probably make other things maybe, but I just know them for their flats. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly's like, I just have the flats. (laughs) (laughs) But they make their shoes out of plastic water bottles as well. And on their website, they have information that they've transformed over 45 million plastic water bottles into their material that they use. They, so they take these water bottles and they turn it into the thread they use to make the, the shoes. And I think that's super cool. I, oh, I I'm back to being super cool. <laughs> I concur that that is super cool. Another way that merchants can help in terms of sustainability is offering carbon neutral shipping by offsetting emissions. Kelly, I I feel like you know more about this than I do. So can you talk to us a little bit about the shop app and what it is, first of all, and how it offsets emissions? Yeah. So the shop app was released by Shopify quite some time ago as just like a delivery tracker. And they rebranded to shop and they re-released it. Formerly known as Arrive. Yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, they re-released it, what, three months ago now? 
this yes. year time is a blur. So this year, this year, it was sometime released this year. So not only can you track your deliveries on there, but you can also, uh, you, you, as as a merchant, you're able to offset your delivery emissions. So basically, how that works is you pay for your orders online with ShopPay. And then your delivery ships from one of over 400 carriers that are participating in this delivery emission offsetting business. And Shopify tracks and calculates the emissions that are produced by your delivery and then offsets your delivery emissions by protecting an equivalent number of trees. So they keep track, they have this count, this live count of how many trees have been saved. And as of right now, this very moment, 11,489,395 11,489,395 now 6 now 7 now 8 now 9 <laughs> trees have been saved. So and what's really cool also which is kind of fun is on the app they have they gamified it a little bit so you can compete with your friends to see how many trees that you personally saved. And I don't do that much online shopping right now and Kelly. I haven't since I know I haven't since this app has been updated, so I have saved one tree. That's okay. You can save more. Thank you. That gives me permission to buy more things. On I believe in you. I believe yes. in your ability to save more trees. You can do it. <laughs> now, there's a new app in the App Store, right, that yes. also offsets. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So speaking of offsetting emissions and uh, names of apps that are very clear, this app is called Offset. It is built by Shopify, and it allows you to neutralize your shipping emissions that contribute to climate change. So as a merchant, every month, Offset calculates the total emissions that are generated by your shipping orders, and that number becomes your monthly Offset cost. So it's less than $0.10 per order. It can be as low as half a cent per order. Like It's not a significant cost on your side. And charges automatically appear in your Shopify bill. So you don't have to do anything, and you can opt out whenever you want to opt out. And what I think is really cool about it, and we'll get into this in a second here, is you can actually display the total amount of shipping emissions you've offset mm. on your website. So it's kind of a, a transparency thing, which leads us into our final topic. What a perfect segue <laughs> into our next topic of transparency. A pillar of sustainability is transparency. And A, let's talk about how that's just a, a great ethical business practice in general, being transparent. Okay, so, okay, let's talk about that briefly. Okay, we've acknowledged it. Move it aside. If we and other brands are transparent and talk about their practices on their site, it helps surface that for the consumer and also just, just for everyone and for other businesses to see how transparency has a positive impact on their business. And there's a few really great examples of that. And that's Aveda is one, which I already talked about. Girlfriend Collective is another. Their transparency page is amazing. Buffy is another one. Their duvet company. I love a direct-to-consumer company, everybody. So you're just going to be like, okay, you're talking so much direct-to-consumer because I love it. Buffy, the duvet company, Allbirds, the list goes on. We're going to link to these in the show notes. But they do a really phenomenal job of laying things out, keeping within their brand voice and staying true to who they are as a business while being absolutely transparent. Yeah. And the reality is consumers want to know who the brand is that they're spending their money on. Who are they giving their money to? And these kinds of practices of being transparent, even if it ends up costing you a little bit on the 
sustainability practice side, it's going to help you bring in more customers who are also very socially conscious, who are trying to make socially conscious and environmentally conscious decisions. So it's a win-win-win. Win-win-win. Win-win. the environment. Win because you're being transparent. Win because you're getting more customers. I'm sure there are more wins in there. I feel like there are. We're going to add a couple to the win-win-win-win-win. Do it. Perfect. All right. Do it. There we go. So <laughs> – all of this to say, sustainability is a journey. It's not a destination. It is something that you do have to, you know, continue to work at. But it's it's, it's a good pre- business practice, and it's something that's really worth doing and being transparent about. And our discussion around sustainability is really only the beginning here. And on this note, uh, we're really excited to introduce our guest for this week, who's been focused on sustainability for her business since day one. <laughs> Today, we are joined by Salima Visram of Samara Bags. Salima, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So I'd love to kick things off by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, So I grew up in Kenya. Um, I'm currently in Toronto, Canada. And I started Samara in 2017. Um, It was a branch off of the first company I started, which was the Solar Backpack. Um, And in 2017, in December, I was at a point where I was looking for a handbag. I couldn't find one that I liked. Um, and the short story is that we put some online and they started selling and I just went with it ever since. Um, so we're a 100% cruelty-free fashion house. We're designed for the minimalist. Um, and we really want to be the fashion company or the fashion brand that really thinks about the future of the world and where we're going in terms of the materials we're using, our Uh, supply chains and the people we employ and um, involve in our supply chains as well. That's wonderful. I I try to buy as sustainably as I can. And and oftentimes I feel like I do a little bit of a swing and a miss. And so it's awesome to meet founders who that's their core vision and, and mission for their company. How, what was the first bag that you made? It was the classic. So okay. I was at a point where I just couldn't find a bag that I liked and I didn't want a designer $400 bag. Um, ideally, I wanted one that was not made out of leather and I just couldn't find it. Um, so it was the classic. And then I paired it with the little mini, which is still one of our best sellers now. So talk to me a little bit more about how you source your products. The first product that we created um, was actually made by the same supplier as the Solar Backpack. Um, So I can go into telling you a little bit about the Solar Backpack um, and it'll explain the process of how we found this supplier. But um, growing up in Kenya, I really noticed how a lot of kids my age weren't able to do their homework every night uh, and they would use this thing called kerosene. So kerosene is a carcinogenic jet fuel that 1.2 billion people rely on every night as their source of light. And where I grew up, a lot of kids my age were using that um, to study and it wasn't conducive to learning. And it was the reason why a lot of kids were not getting into secondary school, which meant that they would still live in poverty after um, and go into things like child prostitution and human trafficking just because they didn't have access to education. Um, And so I worked on that full time after I graduated from university and I was at a point where I was like, I think it's really cool that 
we've created this product, we ended up working with Disney and Lupita Nyong'o to distribute them across East Africa. But I was always feeling like I had to ask people for donations. And then I thought the best way I thought to create impact would be to create a product that people love and then use that to channel into creating some sort of impact in Kenya. Um, so when I had the idea for the first Samara bag, it wasn't with the goal to sell it. It was just for, to make it for myself. And friends and family started asking me about it. So I started with $500 and a production run of 25 bags um, that sold out overnight. And that's when I was like, I think we're just going to keep going with this. And um, we ended up using the same supplier for as our backpacks at the beginning. And now that we've grown a bit, um, we've used, we've had to change factories and a lot of it has come from intros from other people and other brands that we really look up to. Is, is this solar backpack still available? Yes, it is. So every purchase from Samara um, funds a solar backpack or part of a solar backpack. Um, and we produce those in Kenya now. So it uh, provides local employment and um, we use, or we uh, provide employment to women on the ground. That's amazing. Yeah, you're, I'm like sitting here. I'm just like, you're so cool. Is it what I just keep thinking over and over to myself? Yeah, so cool. <laughs> that, yeah I, I'm like, wow, you're really making a difference. And, and I, yeah, you're so cool. That, that's what I hope so. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I'd love to talk some more about sustainability as well, because I also try to purchase sustainable products too. Um, but there's definitely a challenge from the consumer side to finding them. I imagine you probably experienced some challenges as well for sourcing products to create a sustainable product too. Absolutely. I think something I'm like also trying to tell myself is that sustainability is never going to be achieved. It's always going to be something that it's always going to be a work in progress because true sustainability is being able to not cause any harm to the world. And I think every product, whatever we buy, whatever we wear, whatever we eat is causing some, we're taking something from the planet. Um, and so it's something I'm trying to also come to terms with that what is the best way to create a brand that is, it's never going to be fully sustainable, but taking steps in the right direction to at least minimize our impact on the planet. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it has been a huge challenge because your factories are all over the world. Your materials are sourced from a different place. And yes, vegan leather is a better alternative than actual leather, um, even environmentally, because um, the dairy and cow industry are pretty damaging to the environment. Um, but vegan leather is ultimately still plastic. And so how do we communicate that to our customer in an authentic way, but also look for other solutions that are better um, and that are really thinking like 10 years down the line when a lot of consumers also realize that um, most vegan leather is made out of PVC, which is very damaging to the environment. And um, we try and never use PVC. And so we only use polyurethane and microfiber where we can. Um, but more recently, we actually found um, a little factory in Italy that makes um, leather out of apples. Huh. And so we started... Cool. Um, working with them and we've made a few bags with them um and now we're actually taking it a step further and we're hiring a team in Kenya to work on developing a material there for us 
and I think it's things like that where that keep me up at night because I'm like, yeah, people love vegan leather right now. And it is definitely a trend and it is a catchy word. And everywhere you go, even Forever, or Forever 21 when it existed, but H&M and every fast fashion company is also saying, yeah, we make vegan leather bags and jackets. Um, and people automatically think that it's better for the environment, but it's not always like that. And I think as customers and as consumers, um, it's important to be educated that there is, we have to take other steps in the right direction and like educate ourselves on every option that we have. Brian's speechless. I am speechless. <laughs> I, I really truly am. I, for a lot of reasons, and they're all good reasons. And it, it's because when you're sitting here and you're talking about uh, PVC as a, as why that's damaging, I, I actually didn't know that. And so every time I've mm-hmm. bought, you know, vegan leather, and if it's PVC, I'm like, oh well, it's it's vegan leather. And I didn't under I did not know the difference between between those and the fact that you're making leather out of apples. I'm so curious. Well, about that. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> can you talk more about that? That seems. I mean, so, yeah. so intrigued. How does it work? Yeah, how does it work? So uh, about a year and a half ago, I was like, well, this is, I mean, it's great that we're making vegan leather bags and our customers loved it. But it was like, again, it's not as sustainable as we can get. And so at that point, I was in Kenya and I was like, maybe we can try and make leather out of coconuts. And I tried in our kitchen and that didn't work out too well. And then we tried pineapples um, and pineapples were great. Pineapple leather exists, but it felt a lot like paper and it didn't have that luxury feel to it. Um, and then we found apple leather. And so it they work with um, a lot of the orchards that produce juice, like apple juice. And what they do is they take all the remnants from the apple juice industry and the whole idea of taking everything that's left after the juice is made and they dehydrate it. They turn it into powder um, and then mix it in with a, with some PU because PU has to be used as a binding agent and we don't want it to be entirely um, not waterproof or not or biodegradable. Um, and so, yeah, that's a bit about the process. So is this apple leather in your bags right now that, that are at market or to market? Yeah, so we have a few minis made out of them, and we're working on um, our laptop sleeve and our tote being replaced entirely um, with apple leather. That's so cool. I'm going to buy an apple leather bag today. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You know, like when when we buy a dress that has pockets and somebody compliments your dress, the immediate thing you say is, thanks, it has pockets. (laughs) It's going to be really buying like a, a handbag made of apple leather somebody compliments it thanks it's made of apple leather (laughs) I really will too I'm I am that person all of the time okay so can you talk to us a little bit how you learned the supply chain process we have a lot of listeners out there who are just dipping their feet in and I think that's that whole process can be really overwhelming Um, We got really lucky because we started with the solar backpack, so we already had a bit of a supply chain established. Um, But I would say now we work with factories who produce for like Lululemon or or brands that we really look up to. And all those factories came through intros. And so I'm always like such a huge advocate for just reaching out to people and finding mentors and connecting with people based on 
experiences. And I think so many people out there are willing to give advice and willing to just chat um, and want to be helpful because I know for me, like I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been able to build Samara if it weren't for standing on the shoulders of a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I think that was really helpful for us in finding the best factories. And there's so many funny stories. Like I went to Asia a year ago and I remember I found one of our factories on, I found this guy on LinkedIn <laughs> and he said he was in Vietnam and I, I noticed that he had produced for brands that we really liked. And so I was like, Hey, we're looking for factories. And he was like, well, our factory isn't taking um, any more uh, clients right now, but I have a friend in China who I can introduce you to. And I was alone in China at this time. And um, I, he was like, he's a really good guy. So I, I ended up just getting into a cab with him and he drove me to a, his factory, which was an hour and a half away. And he's become like our, our lifeline now. But so many times I look back and I'm like, on so many levels, that could have gone so bad. Like that was not a good decision on my part at all. But I like, luckily it worked out. Um, but I think at that point I was so desperate to just find people that were in our corner and that understood where we were trying to go as a brand that I kind of, I didn't even think of the safety um, or the, just all the risks involved with getting into a cab with a random guy I'd never met before in China. At least a good story came out of it. <laughs> yeah. And a good relationship. And a good relationship. Yeah. 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 It was a, yeah, it was a, it's a win, 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 but uh, yes. <laughs> so I know you sell online. I know you sell on Shopify. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how you got started on Shopify and that process. Yeah, I think I, I got started on Shopify um, again with the solar backpack because I at that time I thought it's the best platform and the easiest platform to kind of get on and just you can start in a day. You don't need much. Um, so that process was pretty straightforward. I didn't even consider any other platform. Um, and then I think I was also exposed to a lot of people who were drop shipping mm. at the time. Um, and I was pretty, I was pretty like intrigued by how they didn't even see the product and they didn't even like know what it looked like. And they were able to make, um, a lot of headway and building brands and building whatever they wanted. I think I wasn't, I like dropshipping is never something that I wanted to make my career, but I think I was pretty inspired by the way, um, you could figure out an entire supply chain by just like clicking a few buttons. Um, so yeah, I would say a bit of drop shipping and then the solar backpack is probably what got me onto Shopify. What are some of your favorite Shopify apps that you use? Ooh, I wish Wheelio had a better interface and didn't seem as in, I mean, it works because it's in your face, but I wish it looked a bit classier um, but Wheelio for sure because I think it's been great for us to collect emails um judge me has been amazing for reviews and I love that we didn't have to custom code anything or change anything on our website in order to have it um honestly I would say Wheelio Wheelio has collected over like 120,000 emails for us wow yeah not a small number 
What are you using for email marketing? Clavio. Good choice. I'm going to tell you, yeah. we, we've done quite a few of these now. Um, every single person has said Clavio so far. Yeah. MailChimp was really good until they stopped integrating. Just a side with, note. Uh, yeah. It's pronounced Clavio. Clavio. Oh. The only reason why yeah. I know this is because when I was going through my training for uh, for becoming a Clavio partner, <laughs> they had a bunch of quizzes that as we completed each module. <laughs> the last question on every single quiz was, how do you pronounce Clavio? <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, we learned something today. Well, we've learned a lot of things, including that apple can become leather and also other fruits can become leather. I mean, like this is- I know. We're this, just going to talk about pineapple leather. I, <laughs> so what are your major acquisition channels? Right now, um, so it's funny because I always, I always think about what type of brand do we want to be and does- does you, the do the acquisition channels you use um, kind of portray the type of brand you are? Um, and so we started off with quite a few paid ads um, last year and a little bit in 2018. Um, so I'd say Instagram, Facebook for sure. We've just started exploring Pinterest um, as of last week because I think we have quite a few of our customers who love Pinterest. Um and then I think like we're really trying to increase our just like our community and referral program um, and really get that going. So I would say that one is probably next. But for now, it's Facebook and Instagram for sure. Awesome. Well, we like to finish each of these episodes by shouting out a store that we're really inspired by or a person we're even we're really inspired by. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Who would you like to shout? Who or what would you like to shout out this week? Um, I think it's my friends at Bloom. Um, they're, we're actually, I'm actually doing an Instagram Live with them later today. But they create um, all-natural skincare They really target Gen Z and um, really boosting confidence in younger girls going through puberty. And it's the brand that's your best friend when you're going through puberty. That's great. I'm going to look them up right now. What's their website? It's just Bloom. I think they're, I'm not, maybe they're, actually, I think it's Bloom.com. It might be meetbloom.com, but I think it's Bloom. Perfect. Try all the options. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. the correct website in the show notes. Yes. I have a teenager who is always looking for new skincare. She's skincare obsessed. And it's (laughs) teenagers now are like really into skincare. Whereas when I was younger, my mom's like, wash your face. And I was like, I don't want to. (laughs) So it's been a very, it's a big pivot. Um, My daughter's like using a different mask every day. (laughs) I know. I mean, I didn't do anything skincare when I was when I really needed it, it was just not even in my like frame of reference anywhere. So I think it's great that there are brands that exist, like skincare brands that exist for Gen Z because I know the pain I went through. (laughs) Yeah, they're awesome. Um, What are your favorite brands right now? So I'm really digging Passion Fruit. They're a queer owned store that has pride merch for every day. Like it, their, their kind of ethos is pride is all of the time. And as 
there weren't pride marches this year. Um, it You can celebrate your pride anytime. Like right now I've got uh, one of their sweatshirts on it says protect trans kids on it. So Amazing. yeah, it's really great. Um, the founder's in Toronto and she's, yeah, she's a wonderful queer woman and I just, I love their brand wow. and the aesthetic is really cute. So you should check it out. Kelly, Kelly, okay. what about you? So I'm going to actually shout out one of my clients this week. Uh, it's All Girl Shave Club. So her whole idea behind the brand is, you know, when you're like, when you're young and it's finally time for you to like start shaving, like it's socially, socially they want you to start shaving. Um, her brand is kind of introducing shaving in a, like to, to younger girls who want to get started but feel kind of weird about it. And it like eases them into it and has like, she has like a lot of really cool things that come with it. Like these, like the shine girl box and like a book that comes with it and stuff like that. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's a lot more like of a comfortable ease. And also I have one of the shavers and I absolutely love it. So (laughs) it's like, it's weighty. I'm going to check it out. That's awesome. I love how many brands are, are fit, like, are finding a way to serve girls in a moment that I think all three of us wish we would have maybe had a product at that time to serve us. So it's really, it's really nice to hear of two different brands in one episode that do something complementary to one another. That was perfect timing. That was perfect timing. Okay. So important. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, my personal Instagram is Solima Visram. And then our company, our brand Instagram is be.samara. And then our website is www.samarabags.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. And I will also say that she has a bag called the Rian bag, and I have to buy it because it's my namesake. I mean, I know it was designed by another designer whose name is Rian, but I have to buy it. Like, it's the rule now. So You don't have much of a choice. I think, so. I think you need to have it. I have to have you it. I have to have it. So thank you so much. You are so awesome. And we. I can't wait to see all the awesome things that your, your brand continues to do. You've done so much already. So Thank you so much for having me. It's our, absolutely our pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. You can subscribe to Commerce Tea on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Tuesday, so grab your mug and join us. See you next week. Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify app store.